0: American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com give.
1: Hello and welcome to American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit Beatrixmedia.com. Experience your world communicated. If you like American Catholic history, please help others find it by sharing this episode and giving us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noel Hester Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today, we're talking about St. Teresa of Calcutta more commonly known as Mother Teresa. Now, Mother Teresa wasn't an American, and she never lived in the United States, but she had an impact on this country in a number of ways.
0: She really did. She came to the U.S. a number of times, mainly to establish houses of her order, the Missionaries of Charity, and she also gave a few talks and picked up some honors along the way.
1: Right. She was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Ronald Reagan in 1985.
0: Our best president of the past 100 years, maybe even 150.
1: I mean, there's an argument to be made. and. She was made an honorary United States citizen in 1996.
0: Okay, maybe Calvin Coolidge, but I really won't listen to any others. Anyhow, (laughs) being made an honorary citizen is a big deal in secular terms. Only eight people total have received the honor. The other seven people are Winston Churchill, William Penn and his wife, Hannah, the Marquis de Lafayette, Casimir Pulaski, Raoul Wallenberg, and Bernardo de Galvez. And among the eight of them, only Mother Teresa and Winston Churchill received the honor during their lifetime.
1: Churchill, of course, was the British Prime Minister during World War II. Wallenberg was a Swedish diplomat during World War II who saved many thousands of Jews from the Holocaust. Lafayette, Galvez, and Pulaski were important leaders during the American Revolution and will most likely do episodes on at least a couple, if not all three of them, in the future. Then William and Hannah Penn were the founders of the Pennsylvania colony. Yeah,
0: so that's a pretty rare company that she's in.
1: Yes, in a purely human sense. She also received the Nobel Prize and many other awards from many governments and international bodies. But naturally, none of these human honors ultimately mattered to her.
0: Now, in fact, during the ceremony when President Reagan presented the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Reagan had perhaps the most insightful quip about all of these human honors. He said, May I say that this is the first time I've given the Medal of Freedom with the intuition that the recipient might take it home, melt it down, and turn it into something that can be sold to help the poor? She probably didn't quite do that, but the reason wouldn't be because she was eager to display the medal on the wall of her office to impress people who came by. She did appreciate the honor, but she was careful to note that she was receiving it on behalf of the many, many others who had joined her in her work, and she received it on behalf of the poor people whom she served.
1: And the people whom she and her sister served were, and still are, the poorest of the poor and the most forgotten and marginalized of society. They provide care for the homeless, the orphan, the desperately ill, the woman who thinks prostitution is her only option, the people at the brink of death with no one and nothing around them. In their homes, which they operate in 120 countries around the world, they provide a loving atmosphere and as much human comfort and medical care as their resources can provide. For some of the people whom they help, the care these sisters provide may be the only tenderness and care the person experienced in their life before they die.
0: Their mission is to treat each person who comes to them as though that person were Christ himself, beaten, bloodied, neglected, and despised, and they nursed that person as they would Christ. Now, I helped out once every other week at the Missionaries of Charity House in Washington, D.C. during my third year in seminary. And I would just help clean rooms, prepare meals, and interact with the inmates, so not serious labor. But even in that very minimal exposure to the sisters, their work, their dedication to their mission, I had a very real sense that these women were engaged in a real battle of life against death. And I, I don't mean bodily death. That, of course, is a fact of bodily life. I'm talking about the... life and death of the soul.
1: I actually, when I lived in D.C., also helped out at that house myself. That house is one of 41 that the missionaries operate in the United States.
0: But with all of the good work that Mother Teresa did, with all the poverty, illness, suffering, neglect, and hatred that she saw, she identified only one thing as the, quote, greatest destroyer of love and peace, unquote. And that thing was abortion. She came back to this time and again in her American appearances,
1: and she always did so within the context of everything else she was engaged in. She talked about the suffering, loneliness, illness, poverty, and violence in the world, and she would talk about the power of God's love to overcome everything.
0: Yeah, and all of this is really why we chose her to be the patroness of our Montessori school here in Steubenville Hilltop Children's House, because we, you know, we we try to serve people who you know have less around here. Not quite as bad as the people that she served, but, you know, people who are struggling around.
1: We're still in a low-income neighborhood here. With yeah. That.
0: So mm-hmm. Mother Teresa doing, you know, just trusting in God's providence. It's kind of what we're doing here. In June of 1985, the day after receiving the Presidential Medal of Freedom at the White House, she spoke at the National Right to Life Convention. In her remarks, she said... Quote, for he has created each one of us and all those little ones in the womb of their mothers for greater things, to love and be loved, not just a number, but somebody special.
1: And then a little later, she introduced a theme she used frequently to drive this point home. She used the story of the visitation, Mary going to Elizabeth, to talk about the dignity of the child in the womb. Mary knew that she had conceived the Son of God, but she had told no one no one in Elizabeth's household had been told before Mary arrived. And yet, as the Gospel tells us, John leapt in his mother's womb. Mother Teresa
2: said, And yet, God used that little unborn child in the womb of his mother to lift with joy at the coming of Christ. Strange. That little unborn child to be used to proclaim the coming of Christ. And today, that little unborn child has become the target of destruction, of destroying, of destroying the beautiful image of God, the beautiful presence of God. For each one, every little unborn child is created in the image of God, is created for some greater things, to love and to be loved. That's why abortion, such a terrible evil, terrible destroyer of peace, of love, of unity, of joy. Anything that's beautiful destroys, because the little one it's not just a number. Somebody's precious to God.
0: But since Mother Teresa wasn't a one-trick pony only concerned about abortion, she goes on in her talk to discuss what should be done to reduce abortions and assist mothers who are vulnerable to pressure to have an abortion. And as should be expected, the remedy is love, and from love, compassion, sacrifice, and aid.
1: Remember, love for Mother Teresa wasn't just a saccharine greeting card or a nebulous good feeling and sending vibes. No, she was clear. Jesus is the model. Jesus loved and suffered greatly for that love. Love that does not include suffering is not love at all. Mother Teresa expressed this in various ways in various places, but I like the phrasing. I have found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, then there can be no more hurt. Only more love. Yeah.
0: Mother Teresa covered all bases with abortion. For mothers facing unwanted pregnancies, the solution was to love the child and give it life, even if the child was given up for adoption afterward, because the pain of carrying the child and giving it up for adoption was a pain of love. For families, that could mean doing with less or sacrificing something important like reputation or additional creature comforts to love the child. For fathers, especially those who did not intend to become fathers, that means loving the woman whom you impregnated and the child you produced, even if it means sacrifice and difficulty.
1: Radical self-giving love was the answer. And is the answer, always.
0: Always. Her talk was, of course, very well received by the audience of the National Right to Life Convention, and we'll link to the whole talk in our show notes at AmericanCatholicHistory.org. It's about a half hour long.
1: But perhaps her more important talk was given nine years later, on February 3rd, 1994, when she spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast. Now, this wasn't the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. This was the National Prayer Breakfast. This event frequently draws all sorts of powerful and influential persons, presidents, members of Congress, heads of agencies and organizations, powerful religious figures of all sorts. Many do go for the right reason, but there are plenty who just want to be seen and receive a patina of prayer to burnish their image. Yeah,
0: the whole thing reminds me of a scene in a movie, In the Loop, which is a side-splittingly funny but very profane movie, and I cannot in good conscience recommend that anyone ever sees it but at one point a couple of the main characters are in the meditation room at the united nations building one of the characters played by peter capaldi drops a couple of bad words and the other character played by david rash his character doesn't swear at all reprimands him saying of the meditation room this is a sacred place now you may not believe it and i may not believe it but by god it is a useful hypocrisy Now, that that may be more cynical than charitable, but that scene always comes back to me when I think of these quasi-government-sponsored prayer events. But anyhow, at least in 1994, the National Prayer Breakfast was worthwhile.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely, because in attendance that day were President Bill Clinton and his wife Hillary, plus Vice President Al Gore and his wife Tipper. The four of them were quite pro-abortion by this point, and Hillary had spent much of the previous year trying to push an overhaul of the nation's health care system, including greatly expanding government funding of abortion. So the topic was very much in the news.
0: Some speakers, not wanting to ruffle feathers, might have pulled a punch or two in their remarks with such figures sitting in the room. But Mother Teresa was not one of those figures. For her, this was an opportunity to preach Christ and Him crucified, as St. Paul admonishes.
1: Mother Teresa's talk that day was a tour de force of talking about the play of the downtrodden, forgotten, and ill-treated. She talked about people in the gutter, people with terminal illnesses, elderly parents abandoned by their families in comfortable nursing homes, other people who are abused and left behind, and how the answer is love. It is always love. No matter what other aids can be provided to improve their medical situation or their worldly comforts, Everyone needs love. And the locus of love, the source and example of it, is God himself.
0: In her talk, she riffed on 1 John chapter 4, saying, quote, St. John says that you are a liar if you say you love God and you do not love your neighbor. How can you love God whom you do not see, if you do not love your neighbor whom you see, whom you touch, with whom you live? Then she zeroes in on that theme again, that love, if it truly is love, must hurt. She says,
2: I must be willing to give whatever it takes, not to harm other people and in fact to do good to them. This requires that I be willing to give until it hurts. Otherwise, there is no true love in me and I bring injustice, not peace to those around me. It hurt Jesus to love us. She went on to build on this, talking about the importance of
1: family, how love and a life of prayer begin at home.
2: And eventually she gets to the quote we mentioned at the outset. But I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. Because Jesus said, if you receive a little child, you receive me. So every abortion is the denial of receiving Jesus is the neglect of receiving Jesus. It is really a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. And if we accept that the mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? How do we persuade a woman not to have an abortion? As always, we must pursue her with love. And we remind ourselves that love means to be willing to give until it hurts. Jesus gave even his life to love us. So the mother who is thinking of abortion should be helped to love. That is, to give until it hurts. Her plans, her free time to respect the life of her child. For the child is the greatest gift of God to the family because it has been created to love and to be loved. The father of that child, however, he must also give until it hurts. By abortion, the mother does not learn to love, but kills even her own child to solve her problems. And by abortion, the father is told that he does not have to take any responsibility at all for the child. He has brought into the world that So that father is likely to put other women into the same problem. So abortion just leads to more abortion. Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love one another, but to use any violence... To get what they want. This is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion.
0: And now that's about as clear and strong as it gets. If we allow a mother to kill her own child, how can we tell anyone else not to use violence to get what they want? Abortion allows irresponsible men to just go from woman to woman with no consequences to himself. A nation that allows abortion isn't encouraging its people to love, but to use violence to get what it wants.
1: Uh, Kind of a description of a lot of the ills of our time. Yeah,
0: pretty much. Now, she went on in her talk to condemn also artificial contraception as a violation of the love spouses owe to one another, going so far as to point out that her order, Missionaries of Charity, will not give a child in adoption to a couple that they know to be contracepting because... If the spouses deny the complete union of their love to one another, they have committed a crime against the love God meant for families to have.
1: And she issued a plea that any mothers who are considering abortion would instead carry their babies to term and then give the babies up for adoption or give them to her. She insisted over and over again that she would take any unwanted babies.
0: As can be imagined, many in the room who were expecting little more than calls for greater public virtue, like the one President Clinton had issued in his remarks, were more than a little uncomfortable. The Clintons and Gores sat stone-faced and unmoved, even as most in attendance broke forth in sustained applause.
1: Neither Clinton was moved on the abortion question, of course. In her remarks after the breakfast, Hillary acknowledged the call of Christ to help the homeless and the beggar, but wouldn't go near the abortion issue. But Mother Teresa wouldn't let Hillary get off that easily. She spoke privately with Hillary afterwards and invited her to come to India to see their facilities. Hillary and the Clintons' daughter, Chelsea, did go over and they visited a nursery where many, many unwanted babies were being cared for while awaiting adoption. And then, over the subsequent year, Mother Teresa enlisted Hillary's aid in establishing an orphanage and home for mothers in the D.C. area, opening its doors in June of 1995.
0: Hillary Clinton, to her credit did a lot to help Mother Teresa overcome bureaucratic and other hurdles to get the house opened and was there when it opened. She also corresponded with Mother Teresa and wrote warmly in her memoirs about the letters that Mother Teresa sent to her frequently.
1: Mother Teresa would live for two more years after the house opened, receiving her honorary citizenship in October of 1996. That act required a joint resolution of Congress and ultimately required the signature of the president, Bill Clinton.
0: Mother Teresa died in Calcutta in September of 1997, and Hillary Clinton was present at her funeral. After the funeral, the sisters invited Hillary to a private, small gathering back at the mother house. As she gathered with the sisters around Mother Teresa's coffin, the new Mother Superior asked Clinton to offer a prayer. Clinton, in her memoirs, admits to feeling inadequate to do so, but she offered some words of feeling privileged to have known the tiny, forceful, saintly woman.
1: Who knows? maybe Hillary's last act isn't written. Maybe as she fades from the public spotlight and her later years come on, her old friend Mother Teresa will have an impact on her heart and soul from heaven that she just didn't quite have in life.
0: Hey, anything is possible it's for God.
1: It's totally possible.
0: Absolutely. And since Mother Teresa's death in September of 1997, the abortion question in this country has been a sort of kind of a mixed bag. In some parts of the country, abortion is allowed up to and including the moment of birth for virtually any reason. While in other parts, laws have restricted the availability of abortion so severely that this diabolical service is rarely found. Some people view abortion as a necessary part of women's liberation, while many others take Mother Teresa's position that abortion is the ultimate assault on love, peace, and the human person.
1: As we record this episode, we also live in hope that the landmark 1973 Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, may soon be overturned. This June, we hope. Should that happen, the question of abortion laws will return to the states where that question belongs. But the work of all people who value life will not change that much. We will still be called to love as Christ loved until it hurts, because then there is no longer any hurt, just more love. St. Teresa of Calcutta, pray pray for us. You've been listening to American Catholic History sponsored by Beatrix Media on the StarQuest production network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help others find it by sharing this episode and by giving us a five star rating and a good review.
0: Be sure to check out our sponsor Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction and search engine optimization services. Visit Beatrixmedia.com. Experience your world communicated. Also, please support the many fine productions of SQPN at sqpn.com slash give.
1: To learn more about Mother Teresa, to find previous episodes, or to learn about our upcoming pilgrimages to important and unforgettable holy sites, or our reading group for February and March of Lilies of the Field, please visit AmericanCatholicHistory.org. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter for the latest information and updates. We also love feedback and hearing about great Catholic history sites and stories from all over. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Catholic History on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast or follow us on Twitter at ACH 1513. I'm Noel hester Crow.
0: And I'm Tom Crow.
1: Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History sponsored by Beatrix Media and produced by StarQuest.